Hey, Matt. Can you- you, I can hear you. <laughs> and there we go. That's me. I can hear oh, you. Great. Perfect. We did it, everybody. Welcome back. <laughs> I don't know what worked, but I'm so happy now. Um, so, yeah, I'm Jess. And I'm Regan. And today on the You Pick, We Watch special episode, we have our friend Matt B, who won our Facebook Guess This Movie contest. Yay, all my mu- uh, movie knowledge paid off for once. <laughs> <laughs> Sixty percent of the time, it pays off. A hundred percent of the time, that's right. Um, and Matt picked, I guess, what you can call a movie. <laughs> if we're gonna go that far, um, he picked Gili. Rhymes with really. <laughs> it was, it was such a stupid joke. <laughs> <laughs> what I what I love is Matt's story that he told me about of the um, I'd say game that he plays with a few uh, mutual friends. Uh, Matt, would you care to elaborate on that? Yeah, so I bought Geely for like three bucks one day. It was in the bargain bin. And I watched it and it was horrible. And I'm like, I need to share this pain with others. So I gifted it to my friend Travis for his birthday or Christmas or something. And then we came up with rules about you have to watch the movie you can't be drunk while watching the movie, but you can have one glass of wine to kind of set the mood because this is supposed to be a romantic comedy, I guess. Um, And then later they made the rule that you have to watch it in English after Travis found out that I was watching it in French. (laughs) It would be more tolerable. Travis, my friend Mike and I, we just share the movie around, watch the movie, re-gift it, so I've probably seen this movie eight or nine times. That is literally so much of your life you cannot get back. It's a full work day of watching Geely. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what hell is. <laughs> uh, just Geely over and over and over again. Yep. Um, so I thought of a pretty fun question uh today to just get to know everybody and set the tone what was your favorite ben affleck pairing back in the day (laughs) (laughs) benifer version 1.0 with ben and j-lo benifer version 2.0 with ben and jennifer garner and then whoever else he was with because i can't remember because those two are the funniest Uh, I think Ben Affleck and Sarah Silverman from that one video that they made. Oh, uh, I forgot about that. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm drawing a blank on that one. I'm, I'm not sure I'm either familiar with or remember that one. So Jimmy Kimmel had a running joke with Matt Damon. And when he was dating Sarah Silverman, he made a video about him and Matt Damon's illicit love. So Sarah Silverman responded by making a video with Ben Affleck about their love affair that they've been had been carrying on the whole time. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, it's so I don't know. Do you think Ben Affleck has gotten better the older he gets? Oh, definitely. Like I was going to bring this up later in the 
um, like when we talk about the movie, but look at the movie he movies he's done the last few years compared to like the rut he was in when this movie came out. Like he started off strong and then hit that rut and then dug himself out. Yeah, I actually recently watched Argo, which won, I think, two Oscars and one for best director i believe and uh, that ended up being really good i think that's part of what gave him the ladder out of that hole was that and maybe a couple movies surrounding that yeah i agree um but right now my favorite ben affleck thing is the meme going around where he's just standing outside (laughs) heavy sighing with a cigarette (laughs) yeah That is my favorite meme. My favorite gif of his is the sad Affleck when basically when the interviewer told him that Batman versus Superman sucked and you can just see the soul kind of like coming out of his eyes. Uh, what do you think of Batflack? I I think he's a serviceable Batman. Like I, I don't really have any real qualms with him. I think he's a great Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Uh, Especially since he was going for the more, like, rugged, had been out of the game a bit, Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I, I think tend, you're totally right. I agree right. with that. Yeah. All right, let's 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 move on to this, this thing. <laughs> uh, so, the overview of this movie is Larry Gigli is assigned by a crime boss to kidnap the brother of a prominent district attorney. A beautiful woman known only as Ricky is sent to stay with him to make sure he doesn't mess up the job. On paper, that's fine. (laughs) On paper, this movie is great. Yeah. Yeah. Like communism. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing this movie didn't do was give mass starvation across the land. Yeah. So normally in this part, we, we start to like go through the cast and we give like a reaction. So I think I think I was thinking we could just like talk about how awful this is and what we could do to fix it and what our each initial reaction of this movie was. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Regan, go first. Oh, oh, on what? the spot. Well, um, on IMBD. It has a 2.5 out of 10. And I'll tell you what, it earned every single one of those stars. I <laughs> My initial reaction, I was a little confused because when I popped the DVD in, I actually couldn't remember what the movie was about and I didn't read the back of it. So at, when it started out as like a mob movie, I was a little confused. And then it pivots hard into like sort of rom-com, like romance territory. So I I don't know. I <laughs> I don't particularly like seeing those two people act together. So it was a journey to say the least. Uh Matt, what was your initial reaction when you bought it out of the $3 bin? So I knew it was bad. I just didn't realize like how bad. Like I knew it was a financial failure like I know you normally go through the money, but I think it only made like 7 million on a budget of like 76 million or something like that. Mm-hmm. A financial failure. It had like made the rounds as a like big joke, but I didn't realize like how horrible this movie was and still got like put out in theaters. 
<laughs> right, because sometimes when someone tells you a movie's bad, there's a chance you might still like it. Oh, yeah, I love The Room. Like, I love watching The Room for how bad it is because that's camp. This isn't even camp. This is just bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, my initial reaction uh, was kind of along the same lines as Regan's. I owned it. Like, back in the day, I had heard about it, and I had heard mostly because of in the my community, they trashed it and they were like this is awful for us and it's so bad so i was like okay well i'm not gonna watch it because that's awful so it's like now you decide to watch it and i was like why is this a mob movie what is happening and then all the forced awful conversations in the movie like these people sat down and table read this and then filmed it and then watched it and still decided to put it out. <laughs> I don't I don't have any other words than that. Um, but you, you said it had a 2.5 out of 10 stars. It has a 18 on Metacritic. And we don't <laughs> we don't usually do like scores and reviews because Regan and I are like every movie, you know, tries to be good. Like even Hudson Hawk <laughs> had its moments. And the movie that this, I use as my, like, this is a bad movie scale is Blood Rain. I don't know if either of you have <laughs> oh, seen yeah. that. But that is an awful movie, and it has the same score, but I would watch Blood Rain a hundred times to this movie. Oh, yeah. At least there's, like, good action scenes in Blood Rain. Yeah. I think we've, we've now, we now have a new benchmark for what we consider bad, you know? Hudson Hawk oh, absolutely. just got replaced by Gigli. And I finally thought of an analogy for what I was initially thinking of when I turned it on is it felt like it had one, it was, it was a car driving down the road, one tire was on the road of like mob movies, and then the other tires were on the road of like romance movies, and it was like hitting every concrete median in between the two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know why? It was, there was executive meddling that caused this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, movie... Like I found uh, someone who had watched the original cut of the movie, and it was actually a not great movie because mo- most of the scenes are the same, but like a lot of the plot holes aren't actually plot holes anymore. Mm. And it kind of goes to explaining why some of the weird stuff in this movie that happens happens. Hmm. Yeah. The original movie was about Ben or Geely wanting to get out of the mob gang uh, game. And he would like fantasize about like this clean place that was a beach, which tied it into the whole going to the Baywatch thing. <laughs> so like that actually made sense in the original script why uh, Brian was obsessed with the Baywatch was because Geely was, had this like, fantasy of being on a beach and being out of the mafia game Uh, instead they just made it so the the kid was creepy (laughs) yeah like just that was his obsession was he just wanted to see women in bikinis like, <laughs> I feel like that was a very like 2003 joke. Like they pivoted from the original idea and set it up in hope they got some laughs out of that. Yeah. Yeah. This is very 2003 in 
mm-hmm. so many aspects of how just offensive it is to so many different communities. Yes, a hundred percent. Yes, LGBTQ community because like apparently oh. bisexuals just don't exist. Don't get me 2000- started. <laughs> Um, there's, I've worked with people with disabilities for 10 years of my life. Um, I'm not sure what Brian's supposed to have. It's some weird combination of like autism and Tourette's and maybe cerebral palsy. I don't know. Cause it keeps changing. It's not consistent throughout the movie. They just were like, Oh, he's mentally handicapped. So let's like, combine Rain Man with a bunch of other horrible stereotypes for people who uh, have disabilities. Yeah, it was like hard to watch sometimes because you know like that guy was acting and it's like, yeah. you know what you're acting bud? <laughs> well, the the funny thing is it feels like uh, whoever wrote the movie didn't, like they'd never met someone who was disabled or never met a lesbian before like in their entire life and they're like, you know what? I oh, bet definitely. you this is probably on the money. Hold yeah. your applause. Oh, it was totally, totally written by a man for uh, especially the lesbian stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> like that, that was just a man's fantasy. 100%. It is worth mentioning that now that I look at the page, it was written by the director, Martin Brest. I'm not sure if you say Brest yeah. that way, but I think that's pretty funny. <laughs> and talking about Martin Brest, like he actually was a good like filmmaker up until this movie. He did Scent of a Woman. He did Beverly Hills Cop, Midnight Run, and like Meet Joe Black. And then this... <laughs> And then he hasn't done a movie since. Yeah, I wouldn't do a movie after this either. <laughs> but yeah, that's... I didn't know he did all those. Son of a Woman is really good. I like that movie. Yeah, that's why he got Pacino into this movie as well. As soon as you... Yeah, that was going to be like... <laughs> as soon as you said that, a, a piece of the puzzle clicked in my brain of like, oh, yeah. that's why Pacino's here. Okay. Yeah, because I was going to say, how would you get Christopher Walken and Pacino to do a movie like this? And those are the only two bright spots in this movie. Our Walken scene is amazing, but it doesn't make sense in the context of the movie that came out. No, it doesn't. Not absolutely. Three calendar speech. Yeah, the pie speech. I wouldn't even call that a conversation. It's like a tiny monologue of him just talking about how crazy good a pie from somewhere is and that really didn't click <laughs> like I didn't ex- I know what he's and talking about chewing the scenery yeah that's and that was again a victim of like the recuts to make this a romantic comedy originally like it was going there's going to be another scene with him where it was like revealed that he was on the take of Starkman Pacino's mm. character mm. so he was a corrupt cop checking in on Geely to make sure Geely wasn't messing up. And then there was going to be like this huge shootout in the end where he was going to get shot. He was going to shoot Geely. And like in the original script, Geely dies. That sounds like a better movie. <laughs> it does. Wow. Yeah, that that's a hard uh, right turn from what we got. Also, I really yeah. I yeah. was delighted to find like notes in the DVD cover 
also of you, Travis, and Mike. Oh, yeah. And I love that someone added a note because there's the scene list, too. And like scene number three is where you meet Brian. And there's a note next to there saying, this is where it gets bad. (laughs) (laughs) But up until Brian's introduction, it's a serviceable movie. (laughs) Yeah, there are so many scenes that just shouldn't be there. Like the whole scene with uh, Ricky, Jennifer Lopez's like ex-girlfriend, like trying to kill herself has no need to, that just gives, again, is another stereotype (laughs) against lesbians and the LGBT community. Um, The whole scene with the mother is the cringiest scene I've ever seen in a movie and serves no purpose. (laughs) Like it's, this that specifically like those type of scenes made me think of the room when uh that one actress says oh i just found out i have breast cancer and you're like oh i'm sure this will come back around and then it never does (laughs) oh i used to be swing both ways oh okay mom yeah thanks for telling (laughs) me (laughs) yeah it's so so awful and i know that they use the girlfriend as a catalyst to make Jennifer Lopez's character show some type of emotion that would get her to sleep with Ben because that's what they did in the 2000, early 2000s with movies with any type yep. of lesbian or gay character. Because hmm. all you need is an emotional woman and she'll run to a man. Ugh. <laughs> 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 uh. I mean, it also served as a catalyst to get them to the hospital where then the girlfriend is never seen again and they get the idea to go down to the morgue to get the thumb. Yeah. See, I wasn't even paying attention to that because I was so upset. Yeah. (laughs) I've watched this movie so many times that it's like, oh, this scene is just to like get them to other places to explain why they're in a hospital and then get the idea to, oh, cut off a thumb with a plastic knife. Matt is something yeah. of an uh, expert on these matters. Uh, uh, Geely connoisseur. Yep. Yeah, you can take that expertise. I, I didn't realize that was a plastic <laughs> knife either. I didn't either. <laughs> yeah. Because there's no scalpels in the morgue, apparently. And he decided to bring Brian with him <sighs> instead of like leaving Brian with Rick. Oh, you mean the smart thing to do? <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will say this movie is fun to talk about. It is. Yeah. It's worth watching once just so you have that experience to like share with people. <laughs> yeah. Also, Jennifer Lopez has not aged a day. Oh no. Gorgeous. Yeah, I think her and a few people like Will Smith have caught like a specific form of vampirism that just does not age. Like they really could be I I don't know how old either of them are. I if you, if back against the wall, I'd say 30. I don't know. Jennifer Lopez is like 50. Huh. Yeah. I'll tell you what, when I saw her at the Super Bowl uh, halftime, what, last year? She did not look 50. No. She, yeah, huh. 51 years old. Yeah. Gorgeous. And still making music videos that are, like, amazing. Speaking of which, 
Jenny from the Block was done at the same time as this hmm. movie because it's got it's got them on the on the yacht and all the paparazzo pictures and stuff. Huh. Yeah, they were like the power couple of 2002, 2003. Yep. I actually thinking back, I kind of only remember them as a couple. Like I d- I didn't watch Ben Affleck's movies. I just specifically knew his face because he was dating Jennifer Lopez and their pictures were everywhere. I knew Ben Affleck back in the day because he did so much with Kevin Smith. Mm, yeah. Yep. And those movies, except Jersey Girl, were really, really good. And Jersey Girl was also was like a victim of this movie. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Smith had to recut Jersey Girl because of the backlash from Geely. There was supposed to be more of Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez's character because they were in that movie as well. Mm-hmm. That's one of the ones I think they might have met on either that one or possibly on Julie, but I think they met on <laughs> Jersey Girl. Um, and she, spoiler alert, dies in the first six minutes of Jersey Girl. They don't really expand on their relationship at all because people were sick of it and the backlash from Geely made Kevin Smith just be wow. like, nope. <laughs> yeah. And Jersey Girl's not really that bad of a movie. It's just Kevin Smith trying something new and writing like a family-ish comedy. It's still got all the dick and fart jokes. But yeah. Yeah, it wasn't... Uh, you just become a father, so... It wasn't exactly like his old stuff like um right you know jane silent bob and chase which by the way chasing amy is almost the exact same friggin uh plot story with the girls (laughs) i hate it i like chasing amy because it's actually done well but it's almost the exact same plot like he gets in he falls in love with a bisexual and then gets sad when she doesn't choose him yeah, I was going to mention that. Like, if you watch this movie, like, go watch Chasing Amy. It's a better movie than this. Because, like, the scenes in there all make sense for being in a movie. Yeah. And it was actually done well for the LGBT community. I remember, because he was still technically, like, Kevin Smith was still, like, an indie guy back then. And yeah. that's how I found all my movies. You can't, you couldn't find a mainstream movie with somebody that was like me in it. So when I found that, that I was like, "Damn, this is like real life." Because he films it as it's like real life. Hmm. Such a better movie. Yeah, and it's got Kevin Smith dialogue, which is like one step removed from real dialogue, but still, it's about conversations that people conceivably have. Yeah. And nobody is having the conversations that were happening. Good lord! <laughs> there's nope. there's always a bull and a cow in a relationship, whatever that means. <laughs> oh, he tries to play such a macho man. I hate it. I do know that was stupid face. <laughs> that was supposed to be part of the original story. Is like w- apparently what drew him to the character was uh, the fact that the dude was kind of living a I don't want to say living a lie but it's like he was trying to act all macho and live a very like 
masculine like mob person life and then coming to terms with that's not who he really is and that doesn't really right come across one for one in the final version no because they cut out his redemption because it may they wanted a happy ever after him and ricky go off into the sunset literally um instead of the original one where he dies he dies watching brian go down to the bay watch so he's on like the beach dying in his like happy place <laughs> that was supposed to be his redemption and he doesn't really get that anymore <laughs> um it could Ricky was supposed to leave a, like after the whole Starkman part. She was done. She left that movie. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it explains like why she's so bad at this was she was never an actual like associate of the mob. It was her girlfriend who came in and had the fight and like slashed her wrist and all that. She was the actual person who got the job. Ricky got like intercepted the message that was left for her, wanted to leave the girlfriend anyways, and decided to go on the mission to see what her life was like. Mm. You, you know so much about sense. that. <laughs> oh yeah. Because the original movie was would be almost watchable. Yeah, that does sound like a much more It's already more movie. interesting um hearing about that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Um so when you say how bad is this movie this is the only movie i've ever seen win razzie awards in three different years (laughs) so (laughs) in 2004 it won uh for worst picture worst actor but actually ben affleck won for daredevil and paycheck that year not for this movie um Worst actress, worst screen couple, worst director, worst screenplay. And then it was nominated for worst supporting actor for both Pacino and Walken. Uh, actually, Walken's was for Kangaroo Jack. And worst supporting. Yeah, he was in a good uh, part of his career. Yeah. <laughs> and worst supporting actress, Lainey Cousin, which is that the girlfriend? I don't even know. It's either the girlfriend or the mom. Oh, There's not yeah. a lot of female representation in no. this movie. Um, and then it won in 2005 for worst comedy of the Razzies' first 25 years. So there was not a worse comedy in 25 years than this movie. And then in 2010, won, oh, it was nominated for... Worst picture of the decade, worst actor of the decade, and worst actress of the decade. Decade, and uh, the movies that Jennifer Lopez were in, it was for Angel Eyes, Enough, Jersey Girl, Made in Manhattan, Monster in Law, and Wedding Planner. And then Ben Affleck's were for Daredevil, Jersey Girl, Paycheck, Pearl Harbor, and Surviving Christmas. We talk about that yes. for a second. This is the run that Ben. At, I, I was on IMDb doing research uh, after drinking Friday night because I'm like, let's do some drunken research on Geely. This is the, this is like Ben Affleck's movie career in the years surrounding this. Pearl Harbor, Harbor, Daddy and Them, 
No. Never heard of it. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is the high point. <laughs> Changing lanes, some of all fears, which I hear is good. And then he did Daredevil, Geely, Paycheck, and Jersey Girl back to back. Wow. That is, that's a good four years of junk. <sighs> yep. And then he, he doesn't get better until seven years later when he makes the town Argo and Gone yeah, Girl within like three That years. is definitely yeah. the upswing right there. I will say the sum of all fears is that's pretty good. And that's to my memory, I haven't yep. seen, I, I don't specifically seek out Ben Affleck movies, but that's like the only one I can think of off the back of my hand here, off the top of my head, that he doesn't play like a sad boy in it. It seems like he's very good at playing like a sad man who's been beaten down by life or sad he can't have lesbians or something. It's <laughs> it's just the first. I mean, most yeah, men are. Yeah, so. That's true. <laughs> um, I didn't think Paycheck was that bad. That one's kind of hit I or have, miss. Yeah, I have vague memories yes. of that. Was there like time travel in Not, that? No, it wasn't time travel. It was um, he had his memory erased. Yeah. Okay. He, they, he does reverse engineering and he found something and he left himself clues uh, to like okay. take down everybody after. Can we just say that's like a, on paper, that's um, a solid premise. Yeah, have you not I seen it? I saw the scene. Uh, much like most of my stories go, it's like, I saw this. I saw five minutes of that movie <laughs> like on TNT back in 2008. Yeah. Yeah, that one's not bad. Um, the one that I want to see with him, that just because it's a joke in um, Kevin Smith movies, is Reindeer <laughs> Games. I have not seen that. And all I know is Affleck <laughs> was the bomb in Reindeer Games. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say a guilty pleasure of mine used to be the daredevil movie like i was i knew it wasn't good but whenever it was on i would still watch it and i, I can't really tell you why um you know it was awful was the electra <laughs> movie yeah from that on top of everything it was actually kind of confusing uh yeah, um, that was before Marvel really understood. Yeah, I don't what they think were that doing. was made by Marvel, like no. not the studio. No, they were just like. No, it was like one of those yeah. licensing things. Back handing when out they, when they were just selling the rights yeah, to everybody. Handing out characters, and now they are like <laughs> never again. Um, Although Netflix did a good job yeah. with Daredevil. Yeah, I heard so. that. Like, I did. That, hear that probably my favorite of the Marvel um, Netflix series. I don't give Jennifer Lopez like she I don't think she should have won worst actress of the decade because her whole shtick is romantic comedies and she right. is good in if you give her an actual romantic comedy um, enough was actually really good too I saw that actually when I came out and visited my wife here we went to the movies and saw it at the cheap theater that one wasn't that bad mm -hmm. But she's a she is a, a rom com person, so yeah, I 
don't know much of her career other than like I was working at a video store and I think I watched Made in Manhattan once because it was on. Yeah, that's Did it just come classic switcheroo <laughs> thing. You lie to somebody that you like. <laughs> and then they fall in love with you because they see that you're really good at lying. Yep. So. Um... It's a testament <laughs> to how bad this movie is that we'd rather talk about other yeah. movies <laughs> than really. So, Can we get into the trivia? Alright, so. Yeah, yeah, let's go. I got a couple good ones, but um, you go first because I know you always have more than okay. me. Um, so speaking of the director who also wrote the movie, uh, like Matt said, after this came out, he, his career in directing ends right there. It reminded me of the couple that directed the Mario Bros movie. Yeah. Sometimes there's just one project that you, you put out that you just shouldn't have done that. And all of a sudden your career is over. Yeah. Um, I know Matt touched on the what it made, what the movie made back. But here's something. Jennifer Lopez was paid $12 million. Ben Affleck was paid 12.5. First of all, why not just give Jennifer the extra 0.5? Why she got to be paid less? <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> their combined salaries was more than three times what the film made worldwide. <laughs> of 7.2 million. <laughs> it, it actually um I'm ju- I'm just remembering something here. I think uh, it got such bad reviews in the UK that every like theater in the country dropped it after one week. Yeah, I was a smart student. Yeah. Even in the US, uh the like drop in market was like <laughs> 89% between week 1 and week 2. People went to go see it, told all their <laughs> friends, and then nobody went to go see yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, that yep. makes sense. There's a joke that Affleck did on one of the late night shows at the time that um, the like $7 million was from him and JLo each buying a ticket for uh, $3.6 million. <laughs> and that, <laughs> that was how they made all their money. That's awesome. Um, everybody really had like good things to say about Martin Brest, though, like you guys said. Um, that he was like a really good director and he like Ben Affleck learned a lot of stuff from him and that they just what happened was just something that is like a, a miscalculation. Nobody wanted to see Ben and Jen on screen. And it sucks because I'm just thinking, like, if this movie had run like it had originally been planned and the studio didn't try to interfere, like, I wonder what else, you know, he would have worked on. Or, you know, how certain directors kind of have a circle of friends that they always make movies with, like Kevin Smith. I'm just wondering, like, what what, mm-hmm. what could have yep. happened? Yeah, he had Pacino and Walken in his back pocket, so like, who knows what he could have been making afterwards. I guess only uh, or I, Kevin Smith mentioned at one point that uh, whenever he and Ben are kind of, you know, uh, ribbing each other, all he has to say to end the conversation is Geely. 
and then it's immediately a hang up. <laughs> uh, there's just so much bad. Even though this film has three Oscar winners in it, it's it, <laughs> that couldn't save it. Nope. Um, so originally because the script was rewritten so many times like the original budget that they went with was 54 million it ended up getting up to 75 million dollars because of the rewrites to do all the junk that made it so bad Oof. <laughs> that's an even bigger loss then mm-hmm. <laughs> so it would have been a better cheaper yeah. movie you know I- you know, Halle Berry was actually um, originally um, interested in being Ricky's character opposite Ben, but ended up dropping out. That was a, a good choice on her part. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Unless she dropped out to do Cap. No oh, one... yeah. <laughs> I'm not no sure. That came out around the same time. So. No, the mid two thousands did not have very many good movies. Like, okay, let me rephrase that. There were good movies, but they weren't they weren't great. They weren't like iconic movies that you you remember these movies for the wrong reason. Um, so, which brings me to like the movies that came out that summer with Geely. Starting in July, you had the bomb of Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. So that one did awful compared to the other Terminators. Um, You had Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl the next week. um, Which actually was only on top. Yeah, it was great. great. It was only on top for one week because Bad Boys 2 came out next week. So... That was a good one-two punch. Um, Spy Kids 3D. So you had a family movie in there. And then <laughs> American Wedding. So that was the fourth American Pie yeah, movie. Third. Or third American Pie movie. So people were over it by then. Um, SWAT came out August. Oh, American Wedding was the week of Geely, by the way. And yeah. Um, and then SWAT w- came out, which is... Uh, that has Michelle Rodriguez and no, that's Jer- uh, Colin Farrell. That one? No, yes, thanks, Colin Farrell. Yeah, uh, that's a good movie. Yeah, that was that was I like, like that one. that's good. What just a few years before he went to rehab too? So I remember he was making a lot of movies, and then Alexander epically bombed, mm-hmm. and then he <laughs> and then he checked himself into rehab immediately after. Yeah. Yep. And then my favorite uh, horror slasher movie, uh, Freddy vs. Jason, came out August 17th and was number one for two weeks. <laughs> yeah, I love Nothing it. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. I'm just surprised <laughs> it was number one for two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, and the second week it only did $13 million, so I want to go find out what came out August 24th. <laughs> Is obviously nothing. So, <laughs> you know what leaned in? Okay, so I do remember 
back in the day when I caught part of Geely on TV, I for some reason always remembered like the fingernail conversation when they're talking about like dirty fingernails and you know which way you check them i don't know indicates like if you lean towards more masculine or feminine and i don't know why but that's stuck in my brain for my entire life and fx leaned into the like bad press (laughs) of the movie because in March of 2006, they started airing commercials, hyping up the fact that they're going to start, you know, playing it on FX, and um, they kept saying like the most talked about movie you never saw, and if that's not an indication of what you're about to step foot in, I don't know what is. Yeah, it's. <sighs> I don't even have words to describe how (laughs) upset this movie makes me on so many levels. (laughs) To put that into perspective, the only other movie I gave two thumbs down to so far in the last 19 episodes or whatever is Teeth. Ah. (laughs) I like Blade Runner. I would rather watch Teeth. I like Blade Runner. 2049 more than I like this movie. <laughs> and I feel like one thumb was a tough sell for you on that one. <laughs> it was. At least in teeth, if uh, two people were preparing to oh have my sex God, and I forgot the woman said that. gobble gobble, it would make oh sense. My... <laughs> I tried to put that whole... Oh yeah, it's turkey that. time. Gobble gobble. Okay, can we just talk about Nobody how weird does that, that scene was too? Like, it's. <laughs> I I walked out of the room. <laughs> like, I couldn't look so... away because I didn't exactly know. Like, if if you didn't specifically know people were having sex in that, I, I don't know. Just something about Ben Affleck's face was really off putting. <laughs> I just I can't I I I couldn't I just couldn't. Do you know that there is a hundred? There's a the movie's 121 minutes, which is 30 minutes too long. But there is a 160 minute director's cut out there. Wow. Yep. Really, I'll have to track that. Yeah. Down. So. Being like only like 127 minutes, did you know the F bomb is used 124 times in this movie? That doesn't surprise me. That's and you know what's funny a about little more that than one I did notice that. Like it just it for some reason feels overused in this movie, and then also perfectly natural in something like Super Bad. Which if yeah. Trying to get across to these guys are like hardened gangsters, and that's how they talk. But... Yeah. And you have Al Pacino, so like you can't have Al Pacino in a movie. Again, it seems, it seems like the person no. who wrote the script uh, also had never really seen mob movies before and was like, oh, you know what? Have you tried using F bombs? That's That'll sell it. Guaranteed. Yeah. <laughs> At least when Scorsese makes a mob movie, like the f bombs mm. serve a purpose. Yeah. They're not they're not just like thrown out or like thrown around. They're 
like used with force in the correct manner. Yeah. And it's like he could still use them like commas in his scripts, but they actually, you know, they have weight to them. Yeah. Like, could you picture Pesci, like, not using the F bomb in any of his roles? I think I think Home Alone should have used. <laughs> what is it for? Like PG thirteen movies, you get one. That would have been great. Slide one in right there. <laughs> yeah. Man, I don't I don't have anything more on this. <laughs> this trash. I want to burn it. As always, <laughs> I have just two left. <laughs> so I know. <laughs> um, only seventy three theaters. Uh, in the U.S., we're showing this film by its third weekend of release, um, down from 2,200 opening weekend. That's a 97% drop and is, I think it's still the largest drop in terms of percentage until 2008's Meet Dave was made. Never heard of Meet Dave, but there might be a reason for that. Uh, that was Eddie Murphy, oh, really? one of Eddie Murphy's last movies, I think. Oh my God, you're right. Maybe. Yeah. Me, uh... yeah. Oh, poor Eddie Murphy. He also went through quite a slump. Yeah. Um, he had the Nutty Professor in the yeah. mid 2000s, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, no, that was always pretty solid, and I always enjoyed him in uh, Doctor Doolittle. I was also very young at that point too. His Doctor Doolittle was way better than, I guess, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s. <laughs> well, that's too bad. <laughs> but I mean, again, I still think it is pretty solid. The uh, last little piece of trivia I have is. Geely is actually Italian for lilies and is also denotes a type of shortcut pasta. Yeah. It doesn't add anything to the movie as far as I can tell, but now you know. Yeah. Now, uh, speaking of yeah. how great this movie is, Geely's DVD box has zero <laughs> critic reviews. Nice. On it. Norm normally there's at least like a couple of words like good can't have any excellent. bad reviews if you don't put any no, reviews on. no critic reviews it did have it did like encourage robert ebert back when they had uh siskel and ebert at the movies to like interject into another movie review because he was arguing uh with his partner and defend that Geely wasn't that bad oh he must have been on his way out out the door at that point because yeah <laughs> he was having a moment of uh, a senile Did moment he see Geely? like is he thinking <laughs> i remember someone was telling me that interstellar was such an awful movie and what they actually meant was gravity but two space movies that came out near each other completely <laughs> missing like <laughs> completely mislabeled that Listen, whoever said that is wrong because Gravity is actually a really good movie. I'll have to see that. I can confirm Interstellar, pretty good. I want to watch it. Like it's in my it's in my like to be watched pile. But it, I don't I know. Mean, I don't know. 
I did find a new space movie though. Uh, when I was out thrifting, I found one with Charlton what? Heston in it from the eighties. Yeah, it's called Solar Crisis. I'm gonna watch that. I can't I'm wait for that. Up. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Matt, do you have any final words on your thesis for this movie? Uh, just about how many dumb decisions were made in this movie. Uh, like Geely just letting. Christopher Walken, who he knows who is a cop, come into his apartment, just opens the door and lets Christopher Walken in. Uh, or Geely not owning any books, which is a running gag in the entire movie and probably the only funny running gag in the entire movie. Uh, but then Ricky brought a book, so she could have read a book to Brian. Hmm. She's shown reading a book like minutes later. So Yeah. There's so much wrong with this movie. Um Julie pretending to talk and uh, a flashlight <laughs> like it's a cell phone and then minutes later answering. I know his cell that phone. whole thing everything about that scene was just off. Just like the <laughs> whole movie. <laughs> Um, yeah. I am glad that you made that you picked it though, and you made us watch it because I probably never would have watched it, and uh, now I'm glad I can save other people from watching it. <laughs> or you can inflict it on others, like I like to. You've got a copy; you can gift it to people that like you oh, think should watch I it. I do own this, and it is the only movie I've wanted to throw in the garbage directly after. <laughs> include a note just <laughs> write anything in there like no just trust me it gets better and then by the time they realize they've been duped they're already like an hour and a half in yeah you've already wasted Al Pacino scene so much time was actually I, I liked that that was the only scene of the movie that I really enjoyed Oh yeah, that was on point. Absolutely. Just... It also pointed out how stupid yeah. the rest okay. of the plot I, was. I can't quite mm-hmm. remember. Was Al Pacino essentially saying that the fact that the plot was happening was actually screwing him up? Like the fact that they tried to help him means that he's actually going to go to jail now. Yeah, because <laughs> Yeah. Because it was the guy that he shot's plan to help out his boss and kind of move up in the organization. <laughs> it was all that guy's plan that he was doing independently. Oh. Which is why it was such a stupid plan yeah, to begin with. you don't do with. anything independent in the mob. Oh, even man, I know that, that did make me laugh a little bit when, when that realization kind of dawned on me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm glad this movie's over. Yeah. Again, I was looking forward to this movie. I knew it'd be something I'd have to endure, but I I feel better off for having the experience. <laughs> it can't hurt me anymore. Yeah. It's over. It's over now. Yep. You can live your life. Yeah. So now we can't complain about any of the movies my wife sends in. <laughs> yeah, we have a new baseline for what's what's awful. <laughs> Yeah. 
Yeah. Although I am, I can't wait till we get to Cutthroat <laughs> Island because that one just may be bad yeah. but campy. Yeah, there so. is a big difference there, and I I can see one of us saying in the future, like at least it wasn't as bad as Geely. Yeah, I think I as much as I want to say like Blade Runner has been my reference for things like this might turn into the new running joke because six degrees of separation. It's just that bad. I would rather watch. I would rather watch both Blade Runners back to back (laughs) than watch this movie again. (laughs) So with that being said, how many thumbs do you give this movie? (laughs) If I had three, I'd give it three down. Um, Matt, does this movie actually hold a soft spot in your heart? Just because I can uh, say how bad it was and commiserate with people, um, it really brought me and my friend group <laughs> together. Shared I misery will do that. This. But yeah, <laughs> that's about it. Um, do you still give it you can join in on our on our thumbs. What do you give it? Does it make a difference if it's in French? No, it's Is it only one thumb two thumbs down? Yeah. <laughs> in French, it's actually kind of interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it's still um, bad. Yeah, the, everything's been said about this. Pacino and Walken were the only good parts, uh, and it gets two <laughs> thumbs way, way down. Way down. It's only fair. It is. And it's over. Everything's over. Um, so this week, we did not have any viewer mail or anything on Twitter, I don't believe. <laughs> Why don't you refresh oh, that okay, now? Right now? <laughs> let me. Okay, let me get to that email. So while that's loading, everybody send in your stuff. It obviously can't be worse than uh, Geely. And even the one Matt just sent in is not as bad. Uh, he, Matt, what movie? <laughs> let, you can read your own email. What you... ah. <laughs> uh, I suggest the Ben Affleck movie, yeah. Paycheck. Good. Good. I'm glad. I actually I actually do like this movie, so I'm excited for Regan to uh, read <laughs> I've only seen it the part where he opens the envelope it, so. and finds all the clues. So, uh, as far as what it's about, I have no idea. <laughs> Uh, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, so that's awesome. Yeah, you guys can send in your requests for movies at upickwewatch.com. <laughs> I mean, at gmail.com. <laughs> and, but for the next, I believe, four weeks, let me pull my calendar up. Yeah, for the next, or three weeks, sorry, we will be doing our spooky November, uh, October list that we have so this is a much smaller list it has uh one two three four five six only seven movies on it 
So anything that doesn't get picked is will go back onto the regular wheel. Um, so we'll get to them all eventually. Don't worry. Uh, Regan, were you able to set up? Oh, that I thought wheel you sent me uh, a picture of what you had set up. <laughs> okay. No, I <laughs> wait. I can do it. I have it already in a uh, okay in a spreadsheet. So just remember, people. I don't usually do the spinning. Don't be mad at me. Devin's. I predict something with Devin Sawa. Casper would be awesome, actually. I know, I'm pretty sure we're going to get Final Destination because that is the only movie on here that scares me. So. And, all right. We are spinning. Spinning, spinning, spinning. Oh. oh, oh, the stuff. <laughs> I need to take a picture of this <laughs> because you need to see how close it was to not being the stuff. Yeah, but, uh, I believe. What is it? Is Aaron? Aaron, yeah, after Aaron all these years, is going to be so happy that <laughs> that we will be watching that. And I'm going to post <laughs> a picture about how close this was. Um, cause yeah, it is, it is almost on the line. It's crazy. Um, so yeah, we'll be watching the stuff next week and I think we're good for recording on Sundays for yeah, right I, now. I think that'll be good. Possibly. Okay. Until I go, until my schedule changes, but, <laughs> um, that's all that I have. Matt, thank you so much for joining us today and for playing along on Facebook and for being one of our best fans and writing in all the time. We truly appreciate it. Um, well, I was just going to thank Matt as well because this has been, I learned way more about Geely <laughs> than I thought I would at the beginning of the episode. And that was just a, was a chef's kiss of a special insight into that movie. So thank you again for being part of this. Okay, right. well, uh, thanks Regan, go ahead and everyone take for tuning into this special episode of You Pick, We Watch. Next week, we're going to watch the 19 and discuss 1985 movie, The Stuff, picked for us by Aaron S. Remember, you can help select the next movie we watch by emailing the podcast, like Matt did, at youpickwewatch at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter for special updates and our choices for what the next episodes are going to be. If you like what you hear, give us a quick five-star review. It really does help us out. Um, I'm Regan. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Author Regan Brooks. And I'm Jess. You can find me on Twitter at RadMadMal. And uh, again, this was this was an awesome week. Everybody keep an eye on stuff because we definitely want to do more awesome guest hosts and Love it when you guys all join in. It makes it a lot of fun for us. And we get to learn a <laughs> bunch of stuff that we didn't know we needed. <laughs> hey, everyone. This is Regan. I'm doing a solo special little episode of You Pick, We Watch, talking about another case of kind of the tale of two movies here where... 
again, I, f I managed to find an example of uh, two radically different cuts of almost the same movie. Kind of harkens back to the episode I did on Payback. This is a little bit different, though, and uh, these are both movies that I really didn't get around to seeing until this, like, Halloween season. So, the cult classics The Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 are both fantastic. I really like both of them. Um, so I just did a little deep dive on them, because... I'll, I'll get more into it in a second, but they are, in a way, almost two different versions of the same movie. So, Sam Raimi, when he was in college, um, he and Bruce Campbell, who stars in both of those movies, uh, they were buddies that had grown up together and made a bunch of little, um, I don't want to say like home movies, but... Super 8 films together as they were kind of growing up, and they both just really had a passion for it. So, um, in college, Sam Raimi made a short film with Bruce Campbell called Within the Woods, and that was a proof-of-concept movie that they made on a $1,600 budget as a concept film for investors. So, that was sort of the... <laughs> it's uh I'd, yeah the short film that the main one is based off of um so i guess through his early career sam raimi never really got all the funding he wanted for like his personal projects like this so like i said he was able to secure funding for the evil dead and that only ended up being about $90,000, but it was enough to start and get production going, which was exactly what he wanted. He would get about $400,000 as the final budget for the movie, which is pretty decent for someone who's 20 and directing their own original movie. Um, a lot of that was allocated for extensive prosthetic makeup and stop-motion animation. And if you've seen the movie, those are front and center in the, uh, <laughs> in the plot of the movie. It's, it's just really interesting to see. But So if you haven't seen it, the first, Evil Dead, is about five college students kind of looking to get away for the weekend... They go to a cabin in, like, backwoods, Tennessee. They find a tape recorder there, like an audio recorder, that <laughs> contains someone's um, readings of this Sumerian Book of the Dead. So when they play it, it um, unleashes a demonic entity from the book's incantations, and that's sort of this unseen force that plagues the residents of the cabin so it's not it it's interesting because it sets the kind of tone for movies that followed that so like cabin in the woods when that came out in 2012 i think i think the setting was very largely based on uh this original movie so um yeah, also this movie does have more of a serious tone, 
which I thought was interesting, because when I think of Evil Dead and its sequels, I don't really think serious, so that was an interesting break from my expectations. Um, what was cool, though, that I found out about this is uh, just a, a little fact as I go off on a tangent. Um, after the extensive filming process, which wasn't really fun or easy at the time, because they, you know, it was a kind of like a college crew with semi-professionals, and the whole reason that uh, Bruce Campbell ended up starring in the movie out of the entire cast is because he was the only actor willing to commit to be there for the ent- like the entirety of shooting, which I thought was pretty interesting. But... In addition to that, after shooting a mountain of footage that had to be edited and put together, he chose a Detroit editing association where he met someone named Edna Paul to cut the film. It turns out that Paul's assistant was Joel Cohen of the Cohen Brothers, who helped edit the film. And, um, I guess editing the majority of the film, he, um, kind of got inspired with, um, Raimi's proof-of-concept film within the woods, like the idea of producing a prototype to help build interest for investors, that he used a... um, he used essentially that technique to help create he and his brother's first movie, Blood Simple, which is a movie that I just kind of posted my two cents about on our Facebook page. And I, I would recommend seeing it, especially if you like the Coen brothers. So... The Evil Dead is essentially a remake of the Proof of Concept movie with a far larger budget. And now, as we take a look at Evil Dead 2, what's interesting about that is I found it to be a remake of Evil Dead 1 with a larger budget. So it's got similar story beats, but it's not the same story, which I thought was pretty interesting. It's like almost, I don't even want to say it's almost exactly the same because that's selling it short. Um, Most of the familiar stuff that you'd recognize from the previous movie, that happens like in the first 10 or 20 minutes. Like it gets it out of the way pretty quickly and then just kind of delves deeper into kind of what Sam Raimi might have wanted to do with a larger budget. So it's kind of like a soft reboot, but it revolves around Bruce Campbell and his girlfriend getting away for uh, for the weekend. Essentially, kind of like a cabin Airbnb kind of deal where they're going out to, you know, rural Tennessee, cabin out in the woods, and uh, he's going to propose to her there. It's kind of a soft reboot of that original, but... The biggest departure is it's got way more humor in it. It, You could tell that this one probably was a lot more fun to make. (laughs) Um, This is like the. This is where I saw. The earliest movie I saw of Sam Raimi's that had his trademark, like, horror comedy elements to it. So you have some very horrible stuff happening. You've got people getting possessed by demonic entities. But then you also have Ash, who, because his, like, left hand or right hand gets infected, he has to lop it off with a chainsaw and then finds a way to attach the chainsaw on his stump. So he's wielding a chainsaw arm, which sounds stupid, but I promise you is awesome. 
Yeah, this has a lot of really great humor into it. Kind of slapstick, kind of... I don't know, it's some, sh some scenes were actually shot very well, and even though it's a uh, kind of like mid to late 80s movie where you can kind of get a good feel of how a lot of effects were done, there were a few scenes that <laughs> really left me scratching my head. Like, how did they get that shot? That's, that's pretty good. So, yeah, the budget for this one, though, was... 3.5 million. I find it interesting that both of these movies, um, they essentially, or at least, like, double their budget, maybe triple their budget, which is a good return. That's a box office success, but, you know, if you triple three million dollars, or three and a half million dollars, that's only about ten million dollars, which, again, that's not nothing. I've never had a million dollars, so... Again, that's not nothing. But what I I also found a pretty interesting fact about number two here, which um, Stephen King really liked the original Evil Dead movie, and he endorsed that. When he heard that um, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell were trying to work on a sort of a sequel to that, um, he brought the project to the attention of producer Dino De Laurentiis, with whom he'd been making his, um, I guess Dino had been making his directorial debut, uh, Maximum Overdrive, and uh, he agreed to provide financial backing for Sam Raimi and assign the filmmakers a considerably larger budget, which then they had to work with on the original film. And it was, I would say, well worth the money because it's a very enjoyable film. I would say comparing the two, Number one feels more tense, and number two f has, it's got similar amounts of tension, but way more levity to it. So I think if you're looking for an enjoyable movie, number two is probably for you. If you like something with a little more serious tone, with kind of Actually, they both have <laughs> some really good moments of insanity to them. I'd say either way, you can't really go wrong. I really enjoyed both of these movies, as well as Army of Darkness, the, the 90s sequel, which I think is fantastic and even more ridiculous than anything 2 could ever be. Both of these movies are great. I will say that uh, Evil Dead 2, I feel like it'd be fair to say that's a remake of a remake, <laughs> considering they're all related back to that first short film that they produced. I really like it when people are uh, making films with their buddies. Like you can see in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy, Bruce Campbell always has some sort of cameo appearance that's usually pretty funny. I, I like it when directors kind of have uh, their own buddies and frequently collaborate with them. So yeah, that is my take on Evil Dead 1 and 2. Both good movies, both worth your time, very similar but different enough to distinguish both of them. This has been Regan with You Pick, We Watch. Jess and I will be back with your <laughs> regularly uh, program schedule, hopefully dropping the new episode mid uh, next week before Thanksgiving. So we will see you guys then, and uh, hey guys, stay beautiful.